0: who are joining us online we're so very glad to have the many visitors that we have this morning thank you so much for being with us we want you to know you're welcome here and uh, you're always welcome here among any of the activities uh, assemblies that we have we're very blessed to have your presence uh, you in our presence this morning we hope we treat you right and make you feel welcome and uh, if you have questions about the Bullard Church of Christ or anything at all we want you to know it's okay to ask and uh, we welcome any questions concerns or comments and we invite you to come back at any time any opportunity that you have now remember we have some activities coming up in the next few weeks here in august and one is the back to school bash that we have on august 14th and that is community-wide that that's that's an effort to just make good connections with our community and so that's why it's important that we do a good job in being involved in that. And there's different ways to get involved. All of the ways to get involved are not standing out in the sun that that evening from 5 to 7. There's things you can do to just bring stuff and help out in different ways. And there's a board out there in the foyer that uh, has all that information on there. You can see Bess or Joyce uh, with any questions about that. Um, I don't... I don't know if I need to mention, but there's going to be a humongous water slide and a uh, bounce house with a slide, something for the big kids and something for the small kids, uh, lots of different games and activities, uh, perhaps lots of watermelon and, and other things, food trucks. So we're we're really wanting to make it a community-wide effort so that we can be there. Now our job is to not only run it, but to make connections with our community. So when we see people, who are just community members. We wanna meet them, we wanna just make them feel welcome, get to know them, and you'll probably know several of them. And so we also wanna encourage you to invite people from work, uh, invite people from uh, your neighborhood, wherever, friends, kids, bring all your friends if you want, it's right before school starts. Uh, That that Friday before, we're gonna be feeding the Bullard ISD uh, teachers and all the faculty staff there and uh, they're divided up at two different locations and our folks are going to be going going over and serving at the methodist church building and uh, working there so if you want to either bring desserts or help serve lunch that day to bullard isd you can see hilda about that and let her know she's coordinating that and then, of course our friends and family day is coming up later in the month so we just we have things going on and we're so glad to have things to be a part of and uh, to reach out to our communities, so we would encourage you to be a part of those things. Now, <clears throat> in a small town in northeastern France, there's this mysterious natural spring, and it's called the Fosse Dion. Maybe some of you can pronounce that better. But it gushes out every day on average 81 gallons of water. Now that's on average. Some days it's not much, some days it's more. And over the centuries, this water has been used for drinking water, cooking water, even bathing in. A lot of different uses. The water they know flows underground through some subterranean limestone uh, you know, channels underground. And so because of that, the water comes up and changes colors. And it might be turquoise or brown or blue. And the water is pure and clean. And it just flows every day. In fact, they built up this, <clears throat> this uh, kind of this area around it uh, because it was used so much. And, and there's a town around it. You can you can go visit this place. Uh, but there there have been different theories about what's going on here because guess what? They've never found the source of the water. They don't know exactly where it's coming from. I think that's fascinating. Some some ancient theories are that there was a giant serpent that swam around at the bottom of the well and protected it. Others thought it might be a portal to new worlds. But over over all this time when people could dive over the last many decades, people have tried to dive under there to find the source. And many, many of them have died. In, I think it was the 70s, one diver survived, and he went a little over 1,200 feet uh, down through there into some of the channels. Came back, but still, at that, at that deep, that far, still could not find the source of this water. I think that's pretty neat, but that yet that water keeps coming out. So we started this short series last week that's just going to be four weeks, and we said that... We looked at John 3, 16 and 17 and said that the gospel is that source for the Christian, that never ending source. Now, the difference for us is that it's not the source for us is not a mystery, is it? For us, I'm saying the source of our faith, the source of our, our activity, our life, our being, for the Christian and member we're thinking of in terms of the whole church and your role as a deacon, a teacher, or whatever it might be, whatever way you might be serving, an elder, uh, just a volunteer over an, an activity, a program, whatever it might be, your source, we're saying, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that's where you draw your water and, and all of your energy and your your momentum and your motivation and your inspiration from. So like so like that 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 uh, that that spring that comes out there in that small town in France. We have this source that just keeps on coming. And so I'm saying because of the gospel, then we do these two core teachings of Jesus. And the first is the great commandment, and the second is the great commission. And today we're going to look at the great commandment. Now, the great commandment is over there on the next slide in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. And that's where we're going to spend our time today. So if you'll turn with me there we're going to look at the great commandment. So in other words, you're just you're kind of building here because of the gospel I do these two things. And we're looking at the first one and that first one is the great commandment. And so what is that? Why is, why does the gospel, why is it like that never-ending spring that that motivates me to do to live out the gospel. See the great commandment and the great commission are how we live out, how we put into practice the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our belief in that that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came and died for our sins, that He was buried, that He rose again. And if we believe that, because we believe that, because we were pricked in our hearts also like they were in Acts chapter 2, we say, well, what do I do with this? How do I live this out? And Jesus shows us the great commandment and the great commission. And so we're looking at the great commandment today in Matthew 22. And Jesus writes, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, he meaning Jesus, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to, the, uh, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. So verses 36 through 37, we see that the lawyer has asked Jesus, which is the, great, the greatest commandment in the law. Now when, when he's talking, this is a lawyer, when he's talking about the greatest commandment in the law, what he means is in all of the Old Testament, What's the greatest thing in the, what we call the Old Testament? Now, uh, uh, the Pharisees had taken Moses' Ten Commandments and they had expanded them to, do you know how many? 613 laws that people had to follow. Now, they, the, the Pharisees, the rabbis, Sadducees, they were in constant debate about which ones were the weighty, laws the ones that mattered the most, and which ones were the lighter ones. They were always debating about that. But now they said you had to obey all of them, but some way more than others. And so they come up to Jesus and they're, they're going to they're test him. And, and it seems when you look at Mark's account, it doesn't seem like the, the guy really has bad intentions, but he's just he's putting him to the test. He's putting a question to, to Jesus, the rabbi, and he says, what do you think is the greatest? What do you say? Now Jesus knows the answer and it's interesting that they can get so lost in intellectualism and being smart in all their debates and everything. It's as if they they forgot what the most important one was. And Jesus goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 where that's where we see God gave this to Moses to tell the people. Now do you know what happened in Deuteronomy chapter 5? In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses had just given the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel. And right after that, God comes back and has Moses tell the people that this is the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Now, we see it here in the way that the Greek, the wording, that the way the Greek would lay it out, lays it out in the New Testament there from Matthew 22. This is how it would actually read. And I really like the way that the Greek lays it out. You shall love the Lord, the God of you, with all the heart of you, and with all the soul of you, and with all the mind of you. That's pretty thorough, isn't it? That didn't leave anything out. And that's exactly what God is saying back in Deuteronomy 6. And it's exactly what uh, Jesus is saying here in Matthew 22. All of you, all of your being, you're supposed to love God with. And there's nothing left after all. And, And God's Jesus is saying the greatest thing, the greatest commandment is to love God with your all. All of you, every part of you, your entire being. And so Jesus... Quotes Deuteronomy 6 there and gives them uh, this reminder, goes straight to the answer. Now this, the Jews knew this because faithful Jews repeated this uh, two times a day as they prayed. This was a part of their religious routine. Now in verse 39, we see where Jesus says that the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And on the next slide we see that what Jesus is saying that to love your neighbor as yourself. What he's saying is this is a, you have a concrete, a real responsibility to care for those around you. Whether they were Jew or Gentile, it didn't matter. Whoever they were, he's saying loving God also means loving your neighbor as yourself. Now... This wasn't something that Jesus just added. This also went back to the Old Testament. It goes all the way back to Leviticus. You know that one that's kind of hard, that book, with all the the laws? Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, where it says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now in verse 34, God expanded on that. And he says, he expanded on verse 18 to include foreigners. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Remember that? And he's telling them, just like you used to be a stranger, there are strangers that are going to come among you, foreigners. And he says, you love them as you love yourself. I am the Lord your God. Now, Paul said the same thing in Romans 13, 8 through 10. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, that's going to take us to Matthew twenty two forty 40 in a minute, isn't it? For the commandments... Uh, verse 9 of Romans 13, You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So Paul's pulling directly from Leviticus 19. And then he said again in Galatians five fourteen: For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, and then James, he's teaching against par- showing partiality towards different people. And he says the same thing in James 2.8. In fact, he calls it the royal law. You shall, uh, this is the royal law. You, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you're doing well. And then in verse 40 of Matthew 22, where we're coming from, Jesus said, all the law and the prophets are summed up. And these two things, like this is what it's all about for the follower of Christ. This is what it's all about for his church, for his people, is to love God with your all and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does this look like? What does this look like when you love God with your whole being? What, what would that look like in my life? If, if, if I say, I want that, I want to live like that, well, how do I know if I'm doing that? What, what might that look like? Well, on our next slide here, I think that we can see that the, the greatest commandment, what I'm trying to say is that the greatest commandment, and I, I want to encourage you to think of it this way, is perhaps, and I think is, the best commandment, measurement the best gauge to measure your own spiritual maturity. So you put yourself up against, measure yourself up against the great commandment. And how do you measure up? Now, you'll, that, you'll always have room for growth, won't you? I know I do. But so ask yourself these questions. Am I growing in my love for God? Do I love God? Am I more in love with God this year than I was last year? Am I closer to God now than I was a year ago? Is my love for God growing and flourishing, strengthening and deepening? And what about my love for others? Is it growing? Is it getting stronger and better? Does it look like it should and if you're like me, you could raise your hand and say, I've got a ways to go. I've got some growing to do. But guess what? That, that You know what to look at. Because if, if, if Jesus is right in verse 40 that everything is summed up in these two things, then if you'll grow in your love for God and grow in your love for others then you'll be growing as a Christian because that sums up everything else. In other words, everything follows and comes out of your love for God and love for others. Does that make sense? And I think that is an easy thing to remember and also an easy way to, I guess, measure your spiritual growth. So, so what are some tangible ways we might think about this we might see this well i think the fruit of the spirit in galatians 5 are a very good way to think about my love for god and my love for others so are do i have the fruit of the spirit flourishing in my life is the fruit of the spirit being cultivated in my life is it is it being produced is it coming out of me if we start thinking like that we might start thinking, ooh, no, the, the, the season hasn't been too good maybe. Maybe it has been. But it helps you see how you're growing and maturing spiritually. So length of time as a Christian in the church does not mean you've matured. And you can be younger in your faith and more mature than someone who's been in the church a long time. That doesn't necessarily matter even though it really should, should be a very good indicator. And typically it probably is. But just because you become an adult or just because it starts turning gray up there doesn't mean you're done growing. Just because you're a deacon or an elder or a minister or a teacher doesn't mean you're done growing. In fact, those are the people that will tell you, oh, man, i got a lot of growing to do. So, so it doesn't matter who you are. This is something for every follower of Christ. Is that If I want to know how am I growing spiritually, I just look at the fruit I'm producing. And what does my love for God and love for others look like? Now, it's interesting that we looked at Galatians chapter 5 when Paul was teaching about loving your neighbor. And then in verse 16, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Then he goes into the fruit of the Spirit and also the fruit of darkness. And so he says this fruit, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control should be being produced in you. Peter said it in a different way. You remember how Peter said it? Remember Peter said it in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. For this very reason make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love look at this verse 8 for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they keep you from being ineffective or what unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ for whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted that he is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. See, that's the gospel. Because of the gospel, then, I grow spiritually. That's the great the great commandment. I grow in my love for God. I grow in my love for others. Why? Because of the gospel. Because I'm not so nearsighted that I'm blind, and I haven't forgotten that God Christ saved me from my sins through baptism. You see that? So... If we were to use our love for God and our love for others as a a gauge, as a measurement from spiritual growth, I think that would do a few things for us. That that would reorient the way you see life. That, That would help you in making big, important decisions for your family. Job decisions relocation decisions, financial decisions. What about decisions with friends? School's about to start. You've been hanging out in the summer. Summer's kind of different. What about decisions with friends? And what if you measured uh, your decisions with friends, habits, behaviors, things that you do, activities, hobbies? What if you measured that against your love for God and love for others? And what if you ask the question, does this decision, whatever it is, big or small, does this decision... Help me show love for God or love for others, or does it not? How does this decision help me show God I love him and making this choice to say this thing, to do this thing, to go that place, to to, whatever that decision might be. How does that help you show love for God or love for others? Now, if we thought like that, things might be a little different sometimes and we might have to make some sacrifices But we might see some blessings sometimes also right so i want to encourage us in that now also if you think about it as we as we get close to closing this is also your why this is your why For serving in the church and when I say serving the church I don't mean just within the walls I mean when you're scattered as well in the workplace just being a Christian because all of this should come out of you everywhere you are so this is your why this is the why behind your service as a deacon your service as a minister your service as an elder as a teacher as a member as a parent this is your why Why do I do the things that I do? See, I'm not just a deacon over this area to do this thing, to flip this switch or turn in some paperwork or make some calls or do these these functions, these tasks. It's not the tasks. What your motivation is, is that never ending source of the gospel. And that's the why. That's your why. That's why you do what you do. So why do I serve in this area? Why do I help in this area? Why do I uh, stay loyal to my commitment? Because of the gospel. And part of that is my love for God and my love for others. And that's my motivation. Because when I do my service well, when when I'm faithful to my service, then that helps bring others to the gospel. That's what the Christian life is supposed to look like, and that's what I'm striving to be like, and that's what I want to encourage you to strive to be like. So because of the gospel, I love God with my all, and I love my neighbor as myself. And I want to encourage you to try to think about that this week and see if that might help you in your your Christian life. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if... If you're doing great in this area or if you need some help in this area, we want you to know this church is an is a, is a encouraging church. We're, we're not here to, to condemn and, and, and find fault and push away. We're trying to help you grow in your relationship with God. We're here to help you in your family, help you in your walk with God, help you in every area of your life. We want you to know we're supporters of you. We're always here for you. And so if we can help you in any way, maybe you're, you, you have questions about all this and you want to talk to somebody. That's okay. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you just need prayers of the church. We want you to know that we're here for you in any way that you might need. You're welcome to come forward now as we together stand and sing.